Congratulations, party. You've successfully returned the talisman of Gothar to the town. The townsfolk are rejoicing. Lialda and Xanther, what do you want to do? I'll stand up and thank the townspeople for their help in our quest and by the first round of drinks. And I shall stand up and stab Xanther in the back. What? Why would you do that? We just completed the quest. I'm chaotic evil. It's exactly what my character would do. In this episode of Becoming DM, what's the big deal about good and evil? Do you really need alignment in your role-playing game? Hi everyone, this is John. And this is Felicia. And as you heard in the opener, today we are talking about alignment. Mm -hmm. Do we really need alignment in, in our role-playing games, or is it just there because it was there all along? A space to fill in. <laughs> but before we get into the discussion, maybe we should take just a step back and kind of talk about what alignment is. Mm. Um, so, do you want to field that? <laughs> Uh, well, you have uh, alignment of your characters, which is essentially on the good and evil spectrum, where they stand as far as decision making, um, as far as, you know, if you have a, a person that's inherently evil versus a person that's inherently good, the idea, I believe, is sort of like that alignment is supposed to impact their decision making within the game. Right. And, in, and in addition mm -hmm. to that whole good and evil skill, there's also the, uh, an additional skill that combines with it mm -hmm. uh, from lawful to chaotic. And we can't talk about alignment without also mentioning neutral because there are those people that play neutral characters that are out there that will get mad at us if we don't mention. <laughs> uh, They're important too. <laughs> um, and and in D&D &D and Pathfinder, alignment is one of those things that as a character, you build your character and there's just this field that says alignment. And you, you look at it, you think for a second, and you write down. Yep. Chaotic evil. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever that means. <laughs> um, um, but I, I mean, that's, we don't need to belabor the point about what alignment is. So let's get a, we kind of have a, this broken out into a couple of different ways. Mm. We're going to start with talking about why alignment is unnecessary in, in modern role-playing games. Um, and I, I think the first one you've had a lot of experience with, um, with when characters write, when players write down their alignment, what do they do with it in, in your experience? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> yeah, um, and and I'll, and I'll say that the, the, uh, a lot of the a lot of the players that I've played with, that's the same as well. Yeah, I think with with uh, my players, again, I've I've said this before in previous episodes. I tend to cater towards the demographic that is relatively new in general to D and D, with a few exceptions. And um, uh, you know, a lot of it is just sort of initially navigating those waters, they see the alignment space, they fill it in with whatever they think, you know, initially their character might be, and then they probably never reference it ever again. Um, and, and perhaps just caught up in various other aspects of the game to really pay attention to alignment, but it, it really never surfaces much in the decision-making process or, um, you know, in, in the character's overall personality or disposition in our games. Um, we have a couple of players that are more experienced, but it tends to be the same pattern where, you know, you write it down and maybe it makes sense to go with that particular character. You have a, a warlock and they just tend to be chaotic or evil to some extent. And then, then that's just kind of it. And really, when you think about it, it, it kind of makes sense that it happens that way. Mm -hmm. Almost everything else on the character sheet uh, is referenced 
on a semi-regular basis. Yeah. Um, I'm going to attack somebody. Okay, what's your attack bonus? Uh, what's what damage are you gonna do? Mm-hmm. Oh, you need to climb the thing. What's what's your athletic skill? Um, so all of these things are referenced, but generally speaking, in in the mechanics of gameplay, there's really nothing that you have to say. Okay, player, you're doing this. What's your alignment? Yeah. Um, Before you get started. So so because there's not that interaction, it, it can be really easy to f- to forget. It's true. I mean, even as a, like for me as a DM, it's not exactly like I encourage my players to reference their alignment before any decision making. Like, oh, is this something that your paladin would do, or is are you sure you know this is catering to that chaotic evil side of your warlock? Like, you know, it's really nothing. I guess as I as a DM, um, really strongly um, reference either. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's kind of the second reason why it's unnecessary is, is players can use alignment as, as an excuse for them to behave badly within a party in, environment. And in our little opener story that we mm-hmm. had, uh, that's actually something I've experienced as a DM. We, we, we had the party, everybody was celebrating, and the, the, the chaotic, I don't remember if they were chaotic neutral or chaotic evil, but they decided, well, hey, this is what my character would do because of his alignment. I'm going to stab the, 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 the party cleric in the hmm. back and see if I can kill him. Totally made sense at the time. And uh, admittedly, so yes, uh, your alignment may inform you that that's what you're going to do. But this is a game that you're playing with other people. And if, if the other players that you're with didn't, didn't sign up for a player versus pay, player battle royale. Yeah, that's true. Um, that can be a real turnoff. And it could also earn you a spot of getting kicked out of the game if, yeah. it, if it goes on too much. I think that's like a very important distinction to make is that like, yes, perhaps like in that fictional world, that might be something to an extent that your character does. But you have to balance that in again with like the real life collaboration of your teammates, of your the other players in the group. And, you know, again, Maybe someone didn't want to get stabbed in the back as they were, you know, buying a round of drinks for everyone. The idea is that the campaign continues. And if you're just lobbing off characters' heads and stabbing them in the back and harvesting their organs for later, well, you know. It's a little specific there, Felicia. I'm 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 starting to get worried. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just throwing out a scenario, okay? But, uh, yeah, it is is important to keep in mind that, like, the bigger picture that it's not just about you. It's not just about, like, you're playing you know, playing experience, it's about, you know, the group as a whole. So sure, maybe you do a little bit of chaos, but you know, maybe rein it in a little bit so that the campaign as a whole can still continue and move forward. Yeah, and and again, back to our, our opening story, we had somebody who we didn't know their alignment. Presumably mm-hmm. they were something good like, they seemed like they were fairly good. Pretty and we had fella. somebody who declared themselves as evil. Mm-hmm. Um, having those conflicting alignments in a party can, can really, uh, cause issues. Yeah, no, they can. Um, because ideally, if you're if you're if you're running through through a campaign, you're doing it for a reason. Mm-hmm. Your character has a reason to be doing that. And if you've got vastly different alignments, yeah, um, what's the reason that a good player and an evil player are going to have to accomplish this thing? Sure. And sure, you may be able to do that, but uh, but. It, what happens after you accomplish that one goal? Or is there any anything that's gonna keep you together? Yeah, why would the campaign even continue moving forward? Um, you can only push, like if you had an evil player with a, a good player, you know, you can only push the reason of self-interest so far, you know, for that evil person to stay on the same page with a good person. What happens when that self-interest is fulfilled, you know? 
you get stabbed in the back. That's what happens. Or the, the good player decides to turn the evil player in. It, it does oh, go both go. ways. That's because true players behaving badly doesn't just happen on the evil side. There are definitely the the lawful good paladin who use that to 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 just be a, a terror on anybody that's not seeing things their way. It's true. There's, there's a whole spectrum of backstabbing being involved here. Sorry to call out the paladins, but it just, just so happens I've seen it. <laughs> darn, darn paladins. Um, and, and the other reason I think it's kind of unnecessary uh, is the whole definition of good and evil mm. and and what what I think of as good you may not think of as good yeah and or if I'm doing something evil but my reasons for doing it are good is that is that good or is that evil it goes on the whole spectrum I think of of like vigilantes you know uh what is it a daredevil for example like doing all these violent things but it's it's for a good cause you know it's it's any vigilante story you know and in that you know I think just speaks to the complexity of, you know, good and evil. It's really not so black and white. And if you're going to have people with differing opinions, and you most certainly will, um, you know, it's, it's maybe not always in, in anyone's best interest to really try to, to make concrete lines saying, like, this is what good is, this is what evil is, this is what players will or will not do. It can right. be really restrictive. Yeah, and, and I mean, when you, when you think about that definition of good and evil, whose definition is right. Mm. I mean, because if you're the DM and, and you see your paladin doing something, you think, oh, well, that's, that's evil. But the paladin thinks, I'm doing this because it's for a good cause mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, who's right in that instance? There's really not a way to, to decide that. Yeah. And, if you, and if, you, if you tell them you're losing your, your patron god or whatever, um, that's going to be just a, a, an argument that's going to take a long time because... Yeah. Because you don't see eye to eye on what's good and evil. And that and that's important, I think, again, when we speak to like the dynamics of the real life group versus what your fictional character would, would do. You know, you don't wanna make decisions that will ultimately ostracize you from your players, like, you know, in the long run of things. Obviously as as DM you do make some decisions, but along this spectrum, I think there's a lot of, of potential for conflict and conflict that may much like alignment, be relatively unnecessary. Right, right. So. Hi, everyone. We're sponsored this week by Darkwind. If you like the concepts within role-playing games like building your character with stats, a class, and a race that you take out into a massive world to adventure, then Darkwind may be the perfect option to fill your time between sessions. The best part? You don't have to coordinate five different players' schedules to have a session go on. You can play anytime, on your own or with others. To play Darkwind for free, go to play.darkwind.org and create your character. This week we have mail. Kurt Burgess wrote about episode three on tools to amp up your gaming experience. He says, what are some ideas to amp up gameplay when your entire party is playing in remote locations via Roll20 or another application like that? Always looking for those things that make the party feel connected when we're far apart. Well, Kurt, one of the things that immediately comes to my mind is to make sure that you leverage the video call functionality that's in, uh, for instance, the Roll20 platform. Uh, seeing other players can really help uh, get people more invested in the game and paying attention. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's a lot harder to 
walk away or look at something else when, when the DM can see you on the screen there. One more thing on the technology front uh, is to make sure everybody has a decent microphone that's not picking up a lot of echo or background noise that can be really distracting. A USB headset uh, might fit the bill, or you could find some decent dynamic USB microphones. Uh, but the key here is enhancing the player experience so it feels more like you're in the same room rather than across the country. Thanks for writing in, Kirk. If you have a question for us, uh, go to becomingdm.com and click contact. Now let's get back to the show. There are some cases mm. where alignment can be helpful. Occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> um, any that you want to kind of address before we... Well, I think that the two most obvious ones that I think most people think of when they think of of D and D, for example, is like your Claritin or bleh, your cleric and your paladin. I mix the two. It's a that's a multi class right there. They're, the Claritin. they're exceptionally good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, you have these two particular classes that are dictated by some set of of rules, either dictated by higher power or their faith or religion, and so you have these very. Um, concrete standards that they sort of abide by and that sticks very much um, with their alignment. So you have you have that on one side. And and I think that that's one of the 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 biggest reasons that you can probably provide to to keep alignment because mm -hmm. it is a game mechanic at that point. It is required for these classes with how they're built. Yeah. Uh, but as we'll We'll talk a little bit later. There may be an, a different option. Some wiggle room there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> um, um, another reason that that it can be helpful is that is that players can use it to inform their decision their decisions as they play. Yeah. Um, now, not everybody does this, as we said before. A lot of people just write it down and then it's it's in the in the air. Yeah. Um, and. Obviously, some people use it for bad, but some people can actually use it to inform their role playing, and it can actually can be really cool. Yeah, uh, or funny. <laughs> <laughs> or funny, yes. Uh, I mean, in in the game that in the game that you played uh, that I was running, mm. uh, we had we had a group of five people, and we were getting ready to to talk about treasure and mm -hmm. and decide how treasure was going to be. And something happened that I had never seen in a role-playing session. I, I will say this. I've never seen that happen in all the games that I've run. The players turned to each other and they looked at each other. They were talking about having a party fund and who was going to hold that party fund. Hmm. And they started talking about, well, who's, who's got what alignment? And yeah, that's a little bit of metagaming and, mm -hmm. and probably looked down upon by, yeah. by some DMs. But it was really interesting that the players were really thinking about um, what alignment people were and who should have the money <laughs> as a result. Eh, well. <laughs> um, and and I, I think actually you were one of the people that, that asked that question. Was I? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was me. I don't remember. Do you have any any examples of... of um, this being an actual good influence on how players role play? I mean, sure, to an extent, yeah. I mean, when it comes to the party fund scenario, I'm definitely probably not the best person to ask because we had our warlock as our <laughs> as our treasurer. So, you know, we'll see how that turns out. But um, the, the one game that I was doing, a uh, campaign that I was doing that you were a part of, which your character was a rogue, and we were in search of, uh, it was like a gold necklace or something like that, and you were the only person that was able to get through 
into this particular building, either, you know, stealth or, you know, you're able to unlock certain things or climb through the roof. And so in sending you in there to try and find the treasure, uh, you know, I think you ended up making a decision that was kind of more in line with your alignment in that, you know, you found it, but, you know, were you so inclined to share that with the group? Mm, eh, not so much. Yeah, I mean, they, they made the, uh, the we'll, we'll call it mistake of send, sending <laughs> me in there alone. They brought it on themselves. <laughs> Um, yeah, and, and that was actually something that, that uh, it was my first time playing with this group, mm-hmm. and and you had given me, as the DM, you had given me this opportunity to go in there, and there. <laughs> I, I wasn't honestly sure what the other players were going to do, but I was like, well, I chose this character and this alignment, so I'm going to play it. Yeah. And it, it ended up working really well. I got to say, the, the, the folks we were playing with did a really good job with, with role-playing it and not just metagaming and saying, oh, we know you have it. We know you have it. They, they asked if I found <laughs> anything and I convinced them that I hadn't and, and on we went. Yeah, I think, and that's one thing that I, I do like about my particular group is just because like we've allowed for flexibility in other areas of the game, there's, you know, that potential where it's like, yeah, occasionally if you decide to do something a little sneaky or a little clever or, you know, something that is a little more accommodating to your alignment that, you know, that flexibility is there and people just, they kind of just go with it. Um, so, uh, another reason to, that, 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 uh, alignment can be a, a good thing in mm-hmm. your things is as the DM, it can, it can actually help you build campaigns that will hold your players' interest. Yeah, so, for sure. um, and it also can, can build campaigns that you can hook them, um, without them realizing they're being hooked. Mm-hmm. So if, again, this is all dependent upon your players playing their alignment and things like that. Yeah. Uh, so if you've got, if you've got, um, a bunch of good players, you can very easily do things that benefit the greater good if they do it, um, are, are in line with their, with their deity or whatever's, uh, beliefs, Mm -hmm. um, rescue the child or, or get the treasure, get the treasure, save the ailing, uh, uh, business by helping them do something or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, have you had any any instances where you've seen anything anything like that where that's been been helpful? Um, you know, honestly, again, I've, I have more experience with the pre-made campaigns, so I think they just tend to, um, in, in these instances, they usually tend to be relatively treasure focused. Um, though the one I'm doing right now is sort of a multifaceted one where it's like, oh, you know vengeance for a family member, treasure acquisition, and then, you know, um, getting, uh, being rewarded certain titles and things like that to, you know, give you access and privilege within certain other groups within the world. So my campaigns have mostly gone through that. The one campaign that I actually did create on my own was more of a treasure, kind of dungeon crawl, treasure hunting kind of one. Um, so it was gifted for my players doing a previous mission and doing well. Um, and for the most part, everyone in the party was was relatively engaged and involved and to one, to some extent because it was self-serving in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Either they got the treasure or they got some magical things that added to their power um, or, you know, just something that they were rewarded and want to take advantage of because someone gifted it to them as a thank you. So I think in, in, in different ways, that particular campaign accommodated, you know, a variety of, of alignments if they had chosen to really, you know, sit there and think about it. 
And and treasure is is one of those things that uh, I think any alignment could say, hey, treasure is good. <laughs> yeah, who because doesn't want treasure? Even if you're uh, if you're evil, obviously you want it for yourself. Mm-hmm. If you're good, you could take it and use it to buy stuff to do more good, or oh, you could donate it to the orphanage. Um, <laughs> There's always an orphan. <laughs> so I, yeah, treasure is definitely the uh, we'll call it the great unifier. If, yeah. if that's the if that's the main goal, um, um, but. If you have, um, that, that actually brings up a, a, a question. I, I was curious for these pre-written adventure paths, mm-hmm. and I know that you probably don't know the answer. I don't know the answer to <laughs> it. I wonder if they're largely written with good characters in mind. I would imagine to an extent, probably. I think like you were referencing before, people kind of on the more extreme side of chaotic evil can probably result in confliction. And I think people that create these stories knowing that probably do cater to like either the more neutral or you know neutral to good realm where you know there's not going to be that much confliction i in in seeing the campaigns i have run i don't really see a lot of opportunities for someone who's chaotic evil to even want to be involved in these campaigns right. so it seems like it but i mean hey i don't know i didn't make these campaigns so <laughs> Yeah, I, so I actually, for, for those that are listening, if you have run into a pre-written uh, adventure path uh, module, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it, I would be curious. Uh, shoot us a, an email, go to becomingdm.com and click on contact. I would really like to know if, mm-hmm. if there are adventure paths that are written with the alignment of the party in mind. And if they're, if so, if there's ones that are written for a, an evil party. I, or even for me, one step further, for those of you that have actually written a campaign knowing that one or more of your characters is chaotic evil, I would be interested to hear how you interwove that into the campaign and how that actually turned out for you guys. Was that a successful campaign or did he end up stabbing everyone in the back at the end? <laughs> <laughs> or did he just not play his alignment? Yeah, maybe he didn't. That, that's Who knows? the other, other thing that could happen. Would be curious to know. <laughs> Um, so we, we've kind of talked about like why you should have uh, alignment, why you shouldn't have an alignment. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that we should uh, we should maybe address is what are some alternatives? You, let's yeah. say you've decided I don't want alignment in my game, or or I'll, I don't like alignment as it currently sits yeah. in D and D and Pathfinder. What are some other ways that we can we can uh, um, handle that? Any, I think you had a good suggestion when we were talking about this earlier about players not choosing their own alignment oh yeah so this would be um where as as players play um you as the dm after a couple of of sessions say well based upon how you play Mm -hmm. this is what your alignment is yeah and sure it can still be open for discussion a little back and forth and and you as the player can say well i think it's this to and it's justified by these things that mm-hmm. I did. Uh, but that way it's not just a, a person writing it down and saying, done. Yeah, this is who I am. <laughs> uh, because w- one of the other things that happens with alignment is when you start playing with a DM, if it's the first time you've played with it, you write it down and you don't really, sometimes you don't even know what to expect. Yeah. Oftentimes there's a session zero where where they go through that stuff. But... but uh, even then, you may not know what to expect as far as what the what the campaign is going to be like. Yeah, and when I think that's a really smart way to go about it because you know I think the like you know preconceived idea of alignment is that 
you assign alignment in the beginning and then your character's actions are all dictated by that alignment versus in this case your character's actions are what dictate the alignment and that is is kind of nice because that gives your players an opportunity to still kind of figure out how they want their characters to be and, and how they're going to develop in a world that is that you're building for them because as you mentioned you know you don't really know how the story is going to turn out and if you give them a couple of sessions to kind of put their feelers out and navigate those waters then you know from that point then assign like alignment can be assigned after knowing how your characters have reacted and decided and I think that's if you were to like incorporate alignment in in such a way that that would be I think a more fair way of, of weaving it into the stories and then ultimately having your characters um, defined by that alignment. Yeah, and I, I, obviously there's there's challenges when you've got those sure. classes that require certain alignments. Yes, of but, course. Um, as, as long as you talk with your players about how you're going to approach it mm -hmm. and and they run their player like their, their deity says that they should be run, sure. <laughs> for instance, uh, I, I think that you can still work around that. Yeah, I, I think there's still still a little wiggle room, not, no matter which side of the spectrum you're on, you know? <laughs> if you're worshipping Cthulhu versus worshipping some nature deity, either way, I think you know, there's a little bit of wiggle room. Yeah. Um, the, the, uh, the next kind of alternative would be a, a sliding scale, so mm -hmm. where, where it's not necessarily set in stone um, what what you write down at the beginning of the game. Yeah. Do you want to expand on that? In, in well, I mean, I think what we were talking about was like, you know, players may say like that their alignment is one thing, but their actions may say otherwise. So, you know, you may have certain actions. Let's say someone starts as lawful good, but, you know, then decides to do things that maybe aren't necessarily in line with that. You know, they cheat or they steal or they lie or it's, you know, Going little... around murdering children. Yeah, something, you know, just something, something cool like that. Um, I like that it, that you went cheat, steal, and lie, and I went <laughs> off the deep end with the murdering children. A little extreme on that one, <laughs> and a little on the, the chaotic evil side. Um, but, you know, and in that case, you know, if you're, even if your character is lawful good, the more unlawful, not-so-great things that they do um, may end up actually changing their alignment over a period of time. Not necessarily, like, isolating circumstances, but, you know, habits, trends of behavior. Um, if, if they continue to do those certain things that come into confliction with that alignment, their alignment's going to slowly shift throughout the campaign from one end to the other. Yeah, but if you, if you do decide to do this, there's a couple of things that you really should keep in mind. First off, um, going back to what we were talking about, not everybody thinks the same things are good and, and evil. Sure. So you need, to, you need to make sure that players are aware when they're sliding a certain direction on that scale uh, so that that they could potentially say, whoa, I didn't realize that this was evil or good or whatever. Murdering children's bad, I, what? I, <laughs> I'm going to change my behavior. Or they can say, well, no, I don't think that that's right because of this. Yeah. Um, the, so... You can just give like a disclaimer. Yeah, and, and because of that that um, definition of good, good and evil, it's, it's kind of can be difficult to say, well, this is how much you're sliding yeah. or, or whatever. I mean, it's tricky. I mean... No one ever said, you know, being a DM was ever going to be like a straightforward, easy process. And this is just one of those things where it's like yet another challenge as a DM that you come across. And the hope is that, you know, um, you're all learning and you're all playing and you're all growing and, and figuring these things out. And ultimately, you know, um, the hope is that, you know, generally speaking, that most everyone's on the same page about what is considered mostly good or mostly evil. Like I said, 
you know, stabbing people in the back and murdering children and little puppies is probably in the majority, 99.9% .9 of people's eyes, not a great thing, not so swell of a thing to do. <laughs> you might have that 1% that would disagree. Maybe they're allergic to dogs. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think the idea is that general consensus, um, you know, can, will, will sort of dictate how, how that goes and that it, it, you know, will end up being ultimately a good decision. And even if the player doesn't necessarily agree with your decision, that's the idea of you warning them ahead of time is that, hey, for me as a DM, I'm dictating that this is going to be something that will knock your alignment one direction or the other. And if they don't want to risk that, then they just don't do it. Yeah. So. And, and the last alternative we had was actually your idea. So I'm going to let you kick that one off. Too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I, so I, I think this is for any, um, any DM is that, you know, like I said before, we don't really focus much on alignment, but as any good DM will encourage their players to do, um, you know, you want a good backstory. You know, you obviously are going to take into mind class and race. Um, you know, again, we were going back to like cleric and paladins as classes um, are dictated very much by that set of rules and standards. Um, you know, I have a warlock in my group who <laughs> worships Cthulhu and that's his whole thing. Um, and that, that to some extent, I think, you know, not necessarily so much because he's, he's a dragonborn warlock that was thrown into a volcano and so, and by his own people, so he has sort of this grudge against his own kind. And that sort of dictates more of his own behaviors and decisions, more than like what his particular alignment is. Um, you know, you have, I, I gave an example before, you have tieflings, for example, that are, you know, half demon, not exactly gonna be like the most popular kid in school, right? You know, natural outsiders, people don't trust them. It probably has something to do with the demon-like facade. But, you know, that, that interaction is going to dictate more perhaps how they approach people, how they decide, you know, what their dynamic is going to be with certain individuals rather than what they choose their alignment to be, at least in my, my particular campaign. Yeah, so rather than using alignment, basically using the other traits of the character to define yeah. how those interactions go, and then their actions themselves are, are really what the alignment is. Yeah. And I, I like that because your backstories, not, not just your class and your race, but then your backstories, because, you know, people get creative with their backstories. And that, I think, speaks to the complexity of characters in general. And again, with the whole thing with alignment, I think sometimes alignments can be relatively restrictive and not necessarily accommodate that complexity. There's a lot of, a lot of grays in there. There's a lot of gray. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think that's uh, really all that we had to talk about today. Uh, whether you choose to keep alignment in your game or kick it out the door, uh, whatever you do, uh, good luck. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> and until next time, stay, stay nerdy, friends. Hey, everyone. Our goal is to make Becoming DM grow and grow fast. So if you don't mind, if you could share out the show on your social me media networks, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, maybe you have a thorough carrier pigeon network. Any way that you can uh, get the word out really helps. This episode is produced by John Welsh and Felicia Martinez. It's, episode, it's edited by John Welsh. We have special vocal uh, guest appearance in the beginning by Sawyer Welsh. Thanks, and we'll see you in two weeks.